Welcome, everyone. I'm Allison Banbury, and you're listening to The Midlife Muse. Welcome to episode 10, nice round number. I'm continuing with my plan of having no plan and just talking each week about whatever I want to talk about. Maybe one day I'm going to get organized and come up with a framework for this podcast, but but not yet. I'm embracing imperfection. Success is in the doing. So ultimately, what I want to talk with y'all about today is something called negativity bias. And we'll take a deeper dive into that concept in a minute, but the short version is that negativity bias refers to our brain's very real, scientifically proven tendency to notice, learn from, dwell on negative experience more so than positive experiences. And this bias absolutely has some protective factors for humans as a species, but it can also spell trouble for our mental health. So we'll get into some of those specifics in a minute. But what got me thinking about this concept is this app my son told me about over lunch a month or so ago. And I didn't think much of it at first. I'd never heard of it before. I downloaded it because he asked me to, and it's hard for me to deny my kids anything. And I thought, why not? You know, it's a cute way to connect with my kids. And the app is called Finch, like the bird. It was launched less than a year ago, I've discovered, in May of 2021. So you may not have heard of it either. And as a point of comparison, in the App Store, this app has 500,000 downloads and about 41,000 reviews, but a more well-known app, like for example, Headspace, has 10 million downloads and over 266,000 reviews. So this little guy is relatively new on the market. I'm not being paid by the Finch app to (laughs) sing their praises. This is just my personal opinion about it. It's free, and I've been using the free version for a month. I've just upgraded to the Plus version, which is a little over $3 a month if you want to purchase a year-long subscription, but you do not have to do that. I've gotten a ton out of the free version, and so have my kids. So you absolutely do not need to purchase anything. And there's no ads or anything like that within the app. So this app on the surface looks like something designed for children. It's cartoon looking in, in its design. And you get to name this little pet bird, which is like a sweet little cartoon finch. And it starts out as a baby bird and then it it grows up like mine is currently a child bird. And, and by the way, I've looked ahead and as you grow, these birds don't eventually get old and die, which would be a downer. So I will see what happens <laughs> as my bird gets, gets older, but it, it doesn't ultimately expire. 
there's some fountain of youth for um, birds on the Finch app. So anyway, this Finch starts out as a baby and it grows up as you complete all these various wellness activities within. And not for nothing, as, as you're naming this bird, you get to choose your bird's pronouns, which includes a they, them option. I love that. You get to choose your pet's outfits and you can purchase, I'm putting purchase in air quotes because it doesn't actually cost anything, new clothes based on how many activities you've done. And the other day I was looking at the app with my son and noticed that he had different clothing options available to him than I did. And I wondered aloud if this was because his bird was a boy and my bird was a girl. And then my son, who himself identifies as a cisgender male, told me that he gave his bird they them pronouns because he, and I quote, didn't want to limit his pet's expression. I love it. The app is incredibly well organized. It's easy to navigate. And even as a 51-year-old person who's pretty well versed in self-care techniques and mindfulness, I got a ton out of it. I feel like it's upped my mindfulness game. And I would recommend it to anyone, really of any age, as long as, I mean, I would say maybe even starting in like fourth or fifth grade and on up. Um and one thing I really like about it is that it's not focused on any one form of self-care. Like I'm a big fan of, of certain meditation apps. I'm going to do a shout out for Insight Timer, who also does not pay me to advertise them. They're just fantastic. But this app is far more comprehensive. And I'm not one to go looking for another app or piece of technology for us or our children to use. Lord knows we all use enough technology already but in this case i really believe that the potential benefits of this app outweigh the additional minutes someone might spend looking at their phone so i want to tell you about a few of the features on this app and how these features have gotten me thinking about the concept of negativity bias so each day when you log into the app, you're treated to a quote that you can either just take in or you can send it to a friend. Today's quote was, for me anyway, said, every day is a journey and the journey itself is home by someone named Matsuo Basho. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name. After that, you have the opportunity to reflect on lots of different topics like how you felt when you woke up that morning, what you might be looking forward to on a given day. You can set goals. They have a lot of preset options for you to choose from, you know, along the lines of, of exercise or things you want to get done in your day or people you want to connect with. But you can also make your own goals. And if you want the app to prompt you, about those goals, it will prompt you if you want the app to ask you at the end of the day whether you've accomplished those goals or not, it will do this. Um, there are also multiple ways throughout the day that you can express gratitude. Gratitude for people in your life, gratitude for things that have happened to you, qualities or abilities you may possess, you can send positive vibes to friends who are on the app. So 
just like on any social media site, this isn't a social media site, but on social media sites, I, I do not have a lot of friends. I'm pretty selective about who I allow on my sites, which is probably one of the reasons I have so few people listening to this podcast. But in this app, you you can add people who are also using the app. So I have my two sons and one of my son's girlfriends. So I only have four people on my app. So I could send them hugs. I could send any of them just a hello. I could send any of them strength or calm, just depending on what I think they might need that day. And then they all have their own little bird characters with whatever clothes they've chosen and names and pronouns and all of that. So I love that part. You can practice yoga and it has little cartoon examples of what certain yoga poses look like. There's meditation components. It also has this awesome first aid section that used to be called SOS. And it's for any moment in your day. It's very easy to get to on the app. It's for any moment in your day when you're feeling like really anxious or angry or unhappy. It has several grounding techniques that you can click on that are literally the exact same ones we use in our counseling center when working with our young adult clients. Like it has the 54321 technique where you look around you and you name five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste just to kind of ground yourself in the moment if you're feeling really elevated with your anxiety. It has some cool breathing exercises with little visuals to help folks breathe slowly and in time with the app. It has reflections like one called regroup time where it starts with this cool premise, it's okay to not feel okay, reflect to regroup. So anyway, I could go on and on. I haven't even I haven't even barely touched the surface of what this app can do, but I've been using it uh, for about a month and my boys have gotten a little competitive with it because the app allows you to track your progress and you can see, for example, how many words of reflection you've written so far. You know, have you written 3,000 words of reflection, 4,000 words of reflection? And so I'm trying to keep up with my kiddos, but what I'm noticing as I'm doing that is how much more time I'm taking on a daily basis to reflect on what's going well in my life, on what's going right, and what a change that is from how I normally roll. Because for many of us, I imagine for some of my listeners, how we normally roll is what I wanted to talk about today, this idea of the negativity bias. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the negativity bias refers to our brain's tendency to take in negative information more readily than it takes in positive information. And there's great articles out there on the negativity bias. I encourage any of you to Google it if you're interested after you're finished with the podcast. But 
just to oversimplify it and for the purposes of today's episode, one reason that we have this negativity bias is that because noticing threats and thinking about what could be dangerous or harmful to us, these are functions that are designed to protect us as a species. A cave person isn't going to make it very far if they spend more time thinking about how warm and cozy their cave is and not enough time thinking about where their next meal is coming from or how not to become some other creature's meal, right? An adjacent idea, which many of you are probably familiar with, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which wasn't actually Maslow's idea at all, but was actually a theory of human development adapted from the Blackfoot Nation, a First Nations society in Canada with whom Maslow visited and whom he observed, although their influence on this theory has been entirely erased and whitewashed. You can Google that as well. But anyway, the concept of negativity bias is adjacent to this hierarchy model, which has been attributed to Maslow in that it emphasizes our brain's need to attend to issues of safety first. You know, that bottom layer of the hierarchy is health and safety. It's just how we're wired. That being said, it's 2022 and we are not cave people. And while there's still some value, of course, to looking out for potential dangers, like getting vaccinated so you don't get infected with COVID, we probably spend more time contemplating dangers and negative inputs than we need to. And here I just have to pause because today you might notice that my voice is a little scratchy. I feel under the weather. And today I took my very first at-home COVID test because, you know, you used to just be able to have a cold or maybe have allergies without worrying that you might like kill your colleagues. And since tomorrow is a work day, I decided to make sure I wasn't going to kill my colleagues. And I took this at-home test, which for any of you who've taken it, reminds me so much of a pregnancy test. Although I didn't pee on it, obviously, but it it was just a weird trip down memory lane taking this test. And happily, uh, my results were negative. So I am going into work tomorrow. Anyway, studies have shown in terms of like noticing negativity, studies have shown, for example, that in a performance review at work, if there are nine positive comments and one negative comment or one area of improvement, guess which one the employee will ruminate on and spend a lot of time thinking about. If we have nine physical features that we feel okay about, but one that we don't appreciate so much, guess which one gets the lion's share of our attention? There might be a million qualities you appreciate about your partner, but which qualities do you spend the most brain space on? Hopefully it's the positive ones. 
Hopefully you think about all the things your partner does for you and the ways in which they support you and lift you up. But for many of us, it's those qualities that leave us irritated or make us uncomfortable. Those are the ones that we spend too much time thinking about, bitching about with our girlfriends over a glass of wine or whatever. And all of this focus on the negative is a byproduct of this natural negativity bias. So if it's natural and it has this basis in our survival as a species, how do we counteract it? How do we balance this out? And this is where, I'm tying it all together, this is where the Finch app that I spoke about on the front end of this podcast or any practice that gives you the time and space to dwell on the positive, that's where these things come in. You can literally retrain your brain or train your brain in the first place to notice more positive things. For example, when I was driving my son to school the other day and we were talking about the app, he mentioned one of its features that asks you to recall at the end of the day something that made you happy or lifted you up. And I immediately thought to myself, this moment right here. This moment in the car with my son, who's really into this app and he's using it and it's actually helping him and a bunch of his friends, a bunch of other teenagers who might otherwise not really be into reflection or gratitude practice. It's helping all of them to be more positive and loving and calm. This moment is one that I'm going to note later when the app asks me about something positive that happened today. But if I weren't using the app, I don't know if I would have given that moment the time it deserved. I don't know if I would have dwelled on it the way I tend to dwell on things that are anxiety producing. I don't know that I would have, you know, locked it down. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, there may be ways to counteract the negativity bias, but why would I even bother if the bias is there to protect me and warn me of danger? Why would I go to the trouble of paying attention to more positive thoughts? What benefit could there be in that? And to that, I would say that I'd like you to think just for a minute about the evening news. And it doesn't really matter which evening news program you watch. I happen to watch NBC, but I think most of the programs are similar in that they're an absolute textbook example of negativity bias. Most of the stories on the evening news are warnings or things that the viewers should be concerned about or the network wants the viewers to be concerned about. It might be an upcoming weather emergency or the war in Ukraine or rising gas prices and inflation in general or the pandemic. And I'm not saying that those aren't real threats and real things that people need to be informed of and prepared for. And at the same time, if the evening news was your only source of input about what's going on in the world, you would have no other conclusion to make other than that this is 
a horrifying place to live. It's scary. It's filled with people who do terrible things. And there are scary, (laughs) terrible things going on in the world. But at any given moment, there's also so much beauty happening in the world. There are people's dreams coming true and people falling in love and overcoming adversity and lifting each other up. And we don't see that on the news. And we often don't hear that side on the newsreel that's going on in our own heads about our own lives. And the danger there, not to (laughs) emphasize the negative, but as people, we make very real decisions based on how we think and feel about things. And if we're not looking at the whole picture, if we're only looking at the negative, that could lead to decision-making that isn't based on a full picture. Just as an example, you, you may have things about your work situation that you don't love. A coworker who you don't get along with or you're cranky about the commute right now because gas prices are so high and you miss being able to work from home in your pajama pants or maybe your boss is getting on your nerves. You may have these very real things that are going on at work that are annoying, but you probably also have a colleague who makes you laugh your ass off and who you look forward to seeing and you know that person has your back. There may be a beautiful view from your office window that you enjoy looking out of when you have a free moment. Maybe you get great health insurance. I don't know. But the likelihood that any given situation is 100% bad, I think is pretty low. And when you look at things in a balanced perspective, it might not always be balanced and the negative may outweigh the positive. And it may be a situation that you need to leave. But before you make a decision, wouldn't it be nice to know that you're looking at the whole picture and taking all of those things into account. So if you don't want another app in your life, I get it, that's fine. But I would encourage you to try to find a regular way to practice gratitude or reflect on the positive and to balance out that tendency to notice the negative. So other ways you might do this that aren't technology related is you might choose a landmark that's on your commute and decide that whenever you pass that landmark, you're going to think for 60 seconds about something or someone that you're grateful for. You might keep a pad of paper on your bedside table and decide that each night before you go to sleep or each morning when you wake up, you're going to name three positive things in your life. Or you could decide to yourself that anytime you send a text to someone, we all love emojis. I love them. Anytime you send a text to someone with some version of a smiley emoji or a laughing emoji or anything that's like positive, that you're going to reflect for a second or two 
on whatever caused you to add that emoji? What is bringing you joy? And in this way, we can begin to balance out our natural instinct towards negative information and begin to move through life with less anxiety and anger and more joy, more peace, and more hope. I'll be back next week, hopefully with an interview. I have one in the works, but I don't want to promise anything until it's been recorded. In the meantime, have a great week. Spend a little extra time noticing the positive. Thanks so much for listening.